watchers in the fourth dimension. The warriors come alive! What are your qualifications for existence? Well, thank heaven, their weapons don't deal fatal blows, but they killed Arden. Hello and welcome back to Watchers in the Fourth Dimension. I'm Anthony. I'm Don. Excuse me. I'm Don. <laughs> I'm Julie. <laughs> and I'm Riley. And you know about me then, my escapades in computer land. <laughs> Nobody give Riley a webcam. For the second story running, we're being put into cold storage as a monster is found under the ice in a frigid environment. And it turns out to whisper its lines, I'm not going to keep doing that, in an almost incomprehensible manner. Yep, it's the Ice Warriors. This story's genesis is thanks to producer Innis Lloyd and story editor Peter Bryant, who, ever on their quest for new monsters, asked Brian Hales to submit another story to the show. Hales had previously written such podcast favourites as The Celestial Toymaker and The Smugglers. Hales found inspiration in an article that he had recently read about a woolly mammoth being found preserved in the ice in Siberia in 1901. He also had a fascination with Mars, and often wondered what kind of life could potentially have evolved there. So he combined these two ideas and came up with the concept of the Ice Warriors. You know what? Sometimes these things are just best left alone. Directing the story, we have returning director Derek Martinez, or Martinus, I don't quite know which one is the correct pronunciation who had previously directed Galaxy 4, Mission to the Unknown, The Tenth Planet, and The Evil of the Daleks. Martinus, somewhat unusually for a director, had an open mind and accepted ideas from other members of the production. So we saw Clint's limp and use of a cane. Well, that was actually the decision of actor Peter Barkworth, who had actually suggested also giving the character a stammer, which was vetoed by Martinus. Costumer Martin Bohr was also the beneficiary of this open approach to decision-making, as it was he that suggested that the Ice Warriors themselves should be reptilian rather than the cybernetic Vikings that Brian Hales had scripted. In the designer's chair, we have Jeremy Davis returning to the show. He had previously uh, been co-designer on the Daleks, and he'll return once more in Season 7. He is also known for stints on Monty Python's Flying Circus, out of the Unknown, Doomwatch, and Don, do you want to guess what other show? Zed Cars. That's right. Can't go wrong betting Fix. on Zed Cars. You cannot at this point in time. On duty as composer, uh, because we did have a composer this time around, we have the return of Dudley Simpson, who lately seems to be the only person contributing music to the show when they're not using stock music. So get used to that, kids. That pretty much wraps up our behind-the-scenes information. So moving on to our next segment, we have Julie with this episode's short summary. Julie, over to you. The Cardis crew land sideways, come across scientists yet again controlling the weather. Uh, they get separated yet again. Insert aliens that do not add to the plot. See a contest between computer and humanity. Things blow up, but not too much. Exit Tardis crew in an upright Tardis. When did that happen? And we're done. <laughs> we're done. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And somehow they stretch this out to six episodes. Well, there's a reason for that. It's thematic. It literally moves at a glacial place. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with one. If you notice, these uh, episodes did not actual, actually have the word episode in front of them. They're just one, two, three, etc. in big capital letters. Very big capital letters. One thing I found interesting was... I, I know we're not getting to the other episodes yet, but they changed the music from the first episode to the next episodes. 
They because, did. Yeah, the first one had very interesting vocals. There's a bit of music that's occasionally used, especially in the first episode, with like this random like almost singing type quality happening. And then from the second episode through the rest of them, it's different. I was both annoyed and fascinated by that piece of music. Yes. It was yeah. very much Star Trek original series opening theme music. Yes. That's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone in the UK would have seen Star Trek yet unless they'd been traveling to America, so... It just has that, that of its time, that wailing woman. Very unusual. <laughs> yeah. That banshee. Well, <laughs> again, it was weird because I was expecting to hear that throughout the entire serial, but I didn't. I really just mainly heard that specific part in the first episode. Keeping this episode of the podcast moving at a glacial pace, I also loved those establishing shots where the title cards were of the icy landscape. It really kind of leaves us in absolutely no doubt of the setting. Yes. I thought that was pretty cool. And one last thing uh, of something that I'm really going to love is the wardrobe. <laughs> I love the costuming of this serial. It's probably one of the biggest praises you'll hear from me of this entire thing. I love it. I love the outfits that the scientists are wearing. I love the actual design of the Ice Warriors minus the Lego hands. And <laughs> Victoria's- Let me mark Lego hands off my list of comments to make. <laughs> <laughs> and Victoria's costume is wonderful. So I really love the costume design. I was confused by the costume design. I love it. I didn't, uh-huh. I didn't hate it. But you had that very 60s swirly thing. But then when they were outside working on the glacier, hmm. they had those weird plastic oversuits where the front was clear so you could see their psychedelic outfits, but a gray back half. It was so odd. And their little plastic masks, too. Those were fun. So I, I agree with Julie. I think Martin Bohr did a really good job on this one, or Bao, however he's pronouncing it. Again, I'm struggling with crew members' pronunciations. Let's just call him Marty B and move on. Marty B. So his idea with the psychedelic costumes, I can't remember where I read this, but it was that they were pretty tight fitting because he reasoned that in 500 years time or whenever this is meant to happen, people's clothes would be sprayed onto them rather than being put on like (laughs) we put them on today. So fun little tidbit there. We had futuristic clothes, high tech advanced equipment all located within the conference room of the Hyatt for some reason. Uh-huh. I never, I couldn't put my finger on that one. You had a computer where someone had combined a Commodore PET and a light bright. <laughs> I'm going to admit, for the first few seconds, like 20 seconds of it talking, I didn't know that's what was happening. I couldn't understand what it was trying to say. Oh, Yeah, I actually really liked that juxtaposition between the future technology and that kind of more Georgian-looking architecture. I thought that was pretty funky. I mean, it was unique and striking, especially based off the situation of the glaciers and just didn't seem to fit right, like especially how important that base was. Yeah. It seemed like they were going to do something more with that, with that contrast of how 
this looks like what we know. This is a future area. You've got the hairy people outside, one of which reminded me of David Mitchell, and the other was the It's Guy <laughs> from Monty Python. There's a lot of weird things going on in this story. It doesn't, yeah. You're right. It doesn't really seem to match. There doesn't seem to be a consistent flow through everything. It seems like very distinct stories going on that barely tie together. I think it can very loosely tie into this computer versus humanity type thing because you have the computer which has that very it's much more sleek style and everything and then your humanity could be more of like what we think of historically as just humans existing in the more victorian type style it's a stretch but i made it work (laughs) (laughs) julie i think you hit on a very key point this story is really about humanity versus computers and increasing reliance on technology and then the monsters are just ancillary to that like i've got to add some monsters so i will add some monsters but they're not really the core of the plot they're not even really necessary no Mm. you could totally cut them out and have this story still work i mean you could cut them out and do this story in two episodes yeah (laughs) you could have a two episode arc of the glacier and then a two episode arc of the monsters Ooh. just throwing that out there so anyway back back to episode one let's just skip the entire discussion and just rate this damn thing uh i do want to point out a few things we have jamie holding his kilt when he's trying to get out of the tardis so he's not flashing everybody i thought that was rather important for everyone to know i can hear the disappointment in your voice (laughs) i know we got the return of the yeti coat yeah yeah but we only saw it last episode so it's not like it's been gone a long time i just want more of the yeti coat i really like it i I actually like what they did with that avalanche. Yeah, I thought that was very cool. I thought that was really well done. You had the one person falling and it actually looked pretty realistic for the time. Yeah, I think the set design and the overall look of it, they did a really good job. You can actually go, okay, they're in a snowy area this time. Whereas, unfortunately, they shot on location last time and it didn't really get that. Right. Now, my bigger question, I know we already touched upon, like, the computer room being in that house and everything. But can I ask why they decided that we're going to bring everything into this computer room? So, anytime it's like, oh, we found this ice warrior, we're going to bring it into this room. Oh, Jamie is paralyzed. We're going to bring him into this room. Why? (laughs) Aren't there other rooms to bring these things in? Because that set was expensive, and that's why this episode was six episodes long. (laughs) I thought the Ice Warrior was in a different room. Did I misunderstand that? They took him through the computer room into another room. Oh, okay. Mm. But he had to go through the computer room, and I don't know why. Everyone has to be shown the computer room because it's the most impressive thing, right? It's like when you go into someone's home, they're like, you've got to see my giant TV. You've got (laughs) to see this computer in my computer room. Yeah, look at the size of my computer. Checks out. (laughs) And one last thing I have. I I had a lot to say about this first episode. We'll see about the rest. Uh, (laughs) Jamie was being such a player at the end. (laughs) When he's talking about how the other ladies looked and Victoria was like appalled. Oh my God, that was wonderful. That was one of the highlights of the serial to me. That is something that I crucially miss from episodes of, from serials of the show. I really enjoy the banter and the character moments between the TARDIS crew. I want to understand their journey as they go from one part of the universe to a different part in time. I want to see that. I want to see them deal with that or discuss or at least just get together as two different personalities clashing. That's what I like to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which we got in this episode and then, oh wait, they separate in the next few right. episodes. Yeah, and, and that's really, I think, one of the real downsides of the serial is that Jamie basically gets sidelined and... 
Victoria gets, unfortunately, you know... Replaced by Susan? Yeah, basically, he's put into the damsel in distress role. Yes. Yes. So yeah. it's just very disappointing. It's just they are very underused or used in a very cliched way. Absolutely. Other things I liked from episode one, I did like how the Doctor having to prove himself in order to avoid being evacuated was used for exposition. I actually thought that was one of the more clever ways of providing exposition that the show has done so far. Mm -hmm. I can see that. And I mean as soon as you see the Ice Warrior being brought in in the ice and you see its claw you're like oh this is a bad idea. Why are you guys doing this? (laughs) Like come on. Really? Really? The, The other thing is you know we find out very quickly that the Ice Age is caused by the dropping carbon dioxide caused by the removal of plants in order to build more housing. So... <laughs> this is like the the opposite of what we're seeing in terms of climate change in uh, yeah. 2020. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was really weird, and I just found it hilarious. I'm like, um, okay, so that causes an ice age, not global warming? Question mark. Okay. Yeah. Anything else on episode one? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Two. We're into animation. And I would like us to have a real discussion about the completely separate other show that was going on during this serial called The Store and Pinley Show, and which seems like it was a collection of Michael Palin stock characters <laughs> that were having a conversation and just doing bits. Yeah, it was really funny and enjoyable. I have no idea what it had to do with anything, and it doesn't really tie in truly until I think the fifth episode. Does anyone else have any feelings about Storm and Penley? I found them interesting, yet completely unnecessary. You've got to establish Penley as an actual character and not just someone that everyone else talks about, even though you're establishing a character of someone that, out of spite, would rather have the entire base get run over by the glacier <laughs> than deal with his a-hole boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Incidentally, Penley is played, I believe, by Peter Salas, who, amongst other things, would go on to be the voice of Wallace in Wallace and Gromit. Huh. Very cool. I always loved him, and he was in a ton of other British things from the 1950s right through until he passed away, including every single episode of a show called Last of the Summer Wine between 1973 and 2010. There's nearly 300 episodes of that show. Anyway, I digress. So let's talk about how ropey that animation is for this story. Oh, I don't know if it was that bad. I thought it was decent. It got the point across. It's not as yeah. good as the yeah. stuff they've been doing. It's not great. The big thing for me is just the Ice Warriors are a weird design in general. And to animate that, I don't know how you would animate that any differently. You already talked about their Lego hands, Julie, but I think they made them look even even more more like Lego figures. Yeah. (laughs) Just in general. Uh, The the animation for this one was done by a company called Curios Entertainment, and this was the only Doctor Who Mm. animation they ever did. And I think they went bankrupt um the same year well that's cheerful thank you (laughs) you're welcome i wasn't impressed by it we've seen much much better going back to the music because this is i think the last time i really have anything to say about the music there was some weird circus music going on like halfway (laughs) through this episode and i don't know why they chose that kind of theme but that's what it sounded like it made no sense are you sure you weren't having auditory hallucinations based on how slow the story was going that just immediately circus music starts spilling your head? Just kill me already. <laughs> you mean, I mean, yeah, 
It was also right around when we get to the plant museum, because that's what I'm going to call it. I don't know if that's really what it was. It, isn't that what it was? I think it was. Wasn't but, it actually yeah. just called the plant museum? They actually at least grew things, and the guy had a tomato and was being like, hey, you should eat this tomato. And that guy complained about it because he'd been, oh, I was saving that. <laughs> But I thought it was a museum, so why would you be saving something in a museum? Like, it's just weird that they call it a museum. I think it was once a museum, but it's closed now due to Glacier. Mm. So they had moved <laughs> in there. Closed due to Glacier. Closed due wow. to Glacier. That's... <laughs> <laughs> or, as, or as we would say back home due to glacier that's not how we're going to say it here in the US of A <laughs> yeah I know I know <laughs> being brown, brow beaten by you guys I think it was about this point in the episode where I came to the realization that the serial really isn't about glaciers nor is it about <laughs> the ice warriors it's truly about Brian Hales the writer having had a horrible relationship with a boss that he had in his past and write an entire serial just pointing out how horrible it is when you have bad leadership and a bad boss. Yep. I mean, he's not wrong. It seems so focused that he was pulling from something in his own history. It was quite amusing. There's that, and you have like the one coworker who sucks up to the boss <laughs> and is like, I'm trying to emulate you, and I will trust everything that you say. Yeah, see Yeah, you. I think we've all had a boss like that at some point. Yeah. What else for episode two? Isn't this when Victoria first gets kidnapped? Yes. By, yes. I think his name was Varga. Varga, Varga. yes. Who is not a plant. No. <laughs> it's one of those things where I see her as a damsel in distress, but also at the same time, it seemed like he would only trust her. So it was that weird dichotomy of she's kind of a damsel in distress, but at the same time, he kind of chose well on who he would trust. Did he really trust her, though? Uh, more than anyone else. Everyone else he just shot. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You know, we were talking about the Ice Warrior designs. I have comments on that monster name coming up in a few <laughs> minutes. But we mentioned the Lego hands. Did anyone else notice that with their little blasters above their hands, if you're looking at it just like just right, especially when they're talking, it looks like they're holding cups of coffee. <laughs> Uh, they're obviously having that kind of a day. It, it may just be me. I will accept that. But that <laughs> happened to me two or three times when they were mumbling indistinctly. And just like, what? Why do they have... Oh, no, that's the gun. So While we're on it, look at the design of them. If you really study it, one thing that always stood out to me was they are very, very hippie. They got they got a lot of hips. Mm-hmm. Those uh, yes. they, oh, and yeah. the, they and the Yeti need to meet oh. up. They need to like they can discuss slimming clothing that they could wear to help each other out. Anthony, did you see the same thing I did with the one that was turned around, bent over on a desk? Yes, and I think at that point I <laughs> I wrote in my notes thick <laughs> with two C's. I did not notice that. I was fascinated to learn through secondary media that the other ice warriors actually have names. Whoa. I couldn't hear that in the script. All I know is one of them is actually named Turok. Old school video game fans will find that yes. neat. But he is the one that I called Shorty because he's the one, he was the smaller one that chased Victoria later on. <laughs> In a very slow manner with his arms out, looking even more Lego-like. Nice. <laughs> but I mean, in all seriousness, I, to give credit to the design or the work of it is the, the makeup around the mouth, I thought was quite good. Yes. It yep. looked good. Once we got yeah. to like one of the live episodes, yes, I agree with you. I just wasn't there yet because we were on the animated ones, but yes, yes. yes. One thing I find kind of ironic in this one is they go out to try and rescue Victoria, but she's still inside with the Ice Warrior all along. 
Oops. Guys. Also, Clint makes a big deal in both the first episode and the second episode about being done with experts, which sounds like something a politician would say in the Brexit and COVID eras. Done with these experts. Just gonna wing it. Well, it's because in their eyes, they don't see a lot of progress being made. And, yeah. and that's why. Not really justifying it, but that's where their mentality is at. And yet, Clint is the guy that can't make any decisions on his own. Nope. Needs the computer. He even points out that the computer doesn't really know how to answer the question because it's programmed to pervert itself, and he still does the same thing. He knows it's not working. Yep. Anyway, we end the episode with more Ice Warriors being revived. Cliffhanger 3. Let's go. Happy to see Storm and Pinley actually getting involved more with the plot. Oh, never mind. Actually, he's just going to hide in the hallway while Victoria goes by. Yeah. But that sets up a future episode. So yeah. It does. Uh, yeah. Yeah. At least they don't just show up later out of nowhere. You know, like, who are these people? Yeah. Oh, I liked with the doctor and he's like, no regulations apply to me. Yeah, they're kind of heavy handed with the dialogue as far as I don't trust computers. I work on my own. With the regulations, <laughs> with the computer talk, with the this the quote unquote science behind everything. It's like, okay, come on. You don't need to throw a whole bunch of jargon at me. Just tell me the plot. Let's move on. Yeah. And then you've got Miss Garrett following Penley to try and persuade him to come back and make the ionizer work again. That was a funny scene. I believe didn't she draw a weapon? Yes. It just seemed like such a, just a swing of a scene of, whoa, okay, and she's going to draw a weapon on him, and then, oh, okay, well, my apologies, all right, I guess I'll just go back now. It's like, what? Never mind. Okay. I thought I would take you as a hostage. Sorry. Yeah, I'm committed that far, but, <laughs> oh, you stopped me just by, okay, I'll just leave now. This whole thing with Clint and Penley almost reminds me, that there's a Blake 7 episode, which admittedly was about... 13 years after this called Harvest of Kairos that has a character brought in to hunt down the rebels and the reason he left being a starship commander was because he hated everyone's over-reliance on computers. It feels like it was a little reused from this but it ends with Penley declaring no I won't go back and I was like well I bet you five dollars that he will <laughs> <laughs> and then he literally tells Store, I'm going back because I must know. I thought this was going to be like long, agonizing decision-making process. No, next no. scene. Next scene. Nope. Uh, <sighs> can we talk about Jamie in the clear suit still wearing his kilt? Yes. <laughs> that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I'm like, okay, I get it, Jamie. You're very dedicated to your kilt. But when you put on this like skin-tight clear suit and it looks like your kilt has turned into shorts... <laughs> it's 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 weird it's it's fine everything is fine oh other question was fraser hines on vacation during any of this because did they really just sideline jamie that much i think they just sidelined him i don't <gasps> nothing i read said that he was on his holidays oh why would you do that because the doctor and jamie have such a good dynamic and he even works well with victoria so i don't understand why they just all of a sudden were like eh, jamie doesn't need to be here yeah they split them apart, and Victoria wasn't written like she was previously. No, no she's, she's as you already said it, she's turned into Susan. Yeah, odd. She spends five episodes screaming, and that's about it. And can we talk about the Ice Warriors for a moment? They're called sure. the, the Ice Warriors because they think they look like what, Vikings, haha, ha, and they're found in the ice, right? 
Yep. Yes. But that's the only thing that associates them with ice. The actual ice warriors are the scientists. They are literally at war with ice. <laughs> but that's then true. the the ice warriors, the Martians, when they appear in later stories, they're still called the Ice Warriors. And that what's also aggravating about it is that's the name that we who discovered them gave them. It's oh, not yeah. the name they have for themselves. Yeah. I mean, they've been oh, yeah, around no. for a while. There was a name. They have a name for themselves. It was a name drop in the first episode when they called them Ice Warriors. So, yeah, we totally gave it to them. Right. And yeah. I mean, I'm just glad they weren't found in a dung pile. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, and it's also aggravating because they're obviously reptilian. Ice and reptiles don't really mix very well. They're cold-blooded. No. They would be just in a stupor. They would just be s- slow and or not moving if it got too cold. But you turn up the heat, spoiler for later on, and they just <laughs> can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, there were some interesting decisions made with this one, for sure. Also, how do you cover someone's mouth to stop them from shouting out with those Lego hands? How do you do that? I did not understand. I'm like, it just made no sense to me. Don't the Cybermen have weird hands at this point in time, too? Yeah, they have, they have, the, they have call hands, like the oven mitt What's hands. With but with an oven mitt hand, you could still cover someone's mouth and mute them. Listeners, what do you think? Oven mitt yeah. or Lego hand? You decide. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, isn't this plot basically very, very similar to a story called The Moonbase. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. controlling yeah. weather. Yeah. yeah. Were they really controlling? I mean, they're just trying to melt a glacier. They're trying not to be killed by it. Yeah, but it all stems from this ice age. Yeah, the ice age is invading most of the globe, so they're trying to push it back. So weather, climate, whatever you want to really... Yeah. Obviously, the lesson here is that we should never, as a society, develop weather-controlling technology because we will eventually meet some other alien race that will move very slowly, talk very funny, and try to kill us. Yeah. And we won't have- I wish I had- You go. Sorry, Julie. I was just going to say, (laughs) I wish I had something wittier to say to that. I guess maybe mine is wittier. So what we do- (laughs) Nice. Go ahead, Julie. So maybe what we need is a doctor who's just going to crawl on the floor and then write random equations and all of a sudden figure it out. (laughs) I loved his chaos there. I think the real lesson here is, as Riley said, don't control the weather. And if you don't have anything funny to say, just shut up. (laughs) Yes. Noted for future reference. (laughs) So we get towards the end and Victoria's talking, I think, with the doctor at this point. And the one warrior really doesn't seem to want to kill her at all which i found very interesting i think contractually he's obliged to at least try for a cliffhanger (laughs) (laughs) yeah this was not really very well done no at the end when the ice warriors are like ready to fire i was just like yes please do put us out (laughs) of our misery with victoria jesus oh it's not victoria's fault I know. I mean, as we said before, I think we've all mentioned, we enjoyed the set design, we enjoyed the music. The direction is good. It's just not a very good script. No. It has a lot of good ideas that weren't quite done baking or freezing. I mean, I I think it really is, as I said, because Brian Hales really wanted to write about something else and had to get a monster in there, and that just really messed up his groove. I don't understand this need to always have monsters. Well, they can't use the Daleks anymore. They've got to have a worthy successor. No, you don't need a monster. But they think they do. (sighs) Episode four, 
Yes. Episode four. Let's do it. Four. With the reused <laughs> intro that they used throughout the whole thing. So thank God that we're back to real footage. Because I, I know I already said this, but I really hated that animation. Like, really, really hated it. I did not hate, but it was not great. Oh, look, I rhymed. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I didn't have to sit through a recon. It was fine. <laughs> yes. Can we talk about the computer having this rotary phone on it? I, I love that. <laughs> it's the most efficient way to input data, right? <laughs> it's retro, man. Retro. I find it weird that they speak to the computer and it figures things out, but for certain things, <laughs> you need to use the rotary phone. I, I don't understand. If only they could have added the sound of like a modem connecting <laughs> for the machine. That would have been wonderful. One of my favorite sounds this day <laughs> it is kind of nostalgic that is true i want to talk some more about the ice warriors here they are just slow in both the way they move and the way they speak they're just not effective no not at all no and yet somehow over the course of doctor who and i'm including modern doctor who as well they are brought back five times after this why are you sure it wasn't just once and it felt like five times <laughs> I think the idea of them isn't bad. I honestly don't really remember the new who because I've only seen the new who and I don't I very vaguely remember that episode. But I think it's a neat idea about them. So I don't mind that they come back. And I'm hoping that later episodes at least make them better. Well, that in classic who they are always written by Brian Hales. Oh. So we'll, we will see if he makes them any better. Hopefully he can develop them a little bit further. And just generic baddies they are here yeah they are featured a few times in big finish and actually they're not done too badly really so huh? that's a thing this is also where we get victoria being chased by by shorty who's so much smaller <laughs> than the rest of them i'm like is that a child <laughs> don't be hating on how tall someone I am, is i am the last person to hate on how tall someone is it was just odd considering how tall the rest of the ice warriors are to be imposing, <laughs> and then they send the little guy after Victoria. Okay, they can't use, they can't waste their best people. <laughs> See, you're the one that implies because he's short, he is not one of their best people. <laughs> Shame. Actually, probably it was because since there's the glacier, if you notice, there was that one part where Victoria like climbs through a little hole. Yeah. So they probably figured that they needed someone who could actually chase her. <laughs> see they get they give this one the grunt work and then they get mad at her when he dies right yeah you gave him the shitty job like you clearly don't like the, the poor guy <sighs> oh one thing i did love is with jamie when he meets up with the beard guys that's what i call them and the one is like i'm a loyalist and he's like oh yeah and he seems so excited <laughs> yeah, I, I love that bit too <laughs> I was like, I don't think this has the same meaning in this time, Jamie. No, but it also probably still had the same sentiment behind it, though. So I think even if it was for something different, they could still bond from it. I was really expecting some kind of indication of what this society is like and what a loyalist is, but it's never brought up again beyond that one little nope. reference. It also really didn't seem that Jamie was paralyzed when they first got it, like woke him up. I was like, he seemed to be moving around, but I think it was more of just lower body. Yeah, it was just his legs. This this is where I have that comment of that ice warrior ass. 
<laughs> yep, this is where I've got the ice warriors are thick. Look at those butts. <laughs> They're hippie. They're very hippie. I like how like Riley tries to be like nice about it, and we're just like, nope, dad ass. <laughs> That's because I'm a gentleman. I used up my quota of butt jokes last episode, so I'm trying to behave. Yeah, me and Don really went in on the Yetis. Yeah. It's our turn this week, Julie. (laughs) Our time has come. Speaking of times coming, our comic relief store makes some really bad life choices. It does. It's so disappointing. (sighs) Despite us making fun of them, I really enjoyed him. I wanted him to stick around to the very end, just being kooky the entire time. He was entertaining every time he was on the screen. He brought an energy, and he dies. Yeah. 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 God forbid anyone be excited or speak with energy in this serial. No. We're going to talk like ice warriors and move like a glacier. Uh, like this story. Or we're going to complain about how people aren't acting rationally and they need to listen to the computer. All right, let's wrap this episode up. We end with the Doctor going to talk to the Ice Warriors and we're hoping he doesn't get killed like Storr. And then they threaten to Steven him. I know. How dare they? Just needed a cardigan. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so episode five. I think it was this point that I came to the realization that I don't recall a serial that had so many episodes and gone this far where each member of the TARDIS seems so, so completely powerless and just away from all the, or not away from all the action, just powerless to everything. Like I said before, Jamie paralyzed, Victoria captured, kidnapped, and the doctor basically spends most of his time just arguing with Clint only until this episode does he actually get in there and start trying to turn things around with the ice warriors you know that's an interesting point riley because i had noticed it about victoria i've even got it in my notes victoria has no agency in this story but now you mention it with the doctor and jamie yeah every single member of the tardis is in the same boat they don't really go into action or be proactive until episode five i think what makes it so obvious with victoria is that she becomes a sniveling wreck Whereas Patrick Troughton is being Patrick Troughton and that adds some strength to the Doctor. And also Jamie at least has some nice character moments as he meets Storr and has his little adventure. And that really makes Victoria stick out a lot more, in my opinion. Yeah. Isn't this the episode where we get a not very fat bear? That at first they were like, oh man, it's going to be wolves. And then it wasn't a wolf. (laughs) But they got a real bear. It wasn't even stock footage. It wasn't? No. It wasn't stock footage? No. I'd I'd made the assumption it was stock footage. Wow. Same here. Okay, well that explains why he was a little anorexic for a bear. Yeah, they rented this bear at a absorbent cost of 70 pounds for a day's filming. (laughs) That's exciting. That's also when Jamie has those excellent goggles on. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing that the costume design, with the exception of the thick, slow Ice Warriors, the costume design was, for the most part, on point. I know, Don, you you didn't like the, the outdoors poncho type thing. I but... was confused by them. <laughs> it was the fact you've got a gray back and then a totally clear front so you can see your, your awesome design. It's the 60s, man. Yeah it, yeah, it really is. I do like the fact that Penley could have just left Jamie to die but he's dragging him round on the sled. He takes a risk with the bear. You know, he's good people. He's not a he's not a bad guy. 
He just hates his old boss so much he had rather the entire base be destroyed than put up with him. And we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I definitely have one or two former bosses that I would not uh, help escape a burning building. <laughs> one of the comments that Clint made in the ionizer room was the fact that he didn't want to face world opinion if he did something incorrectly in the eyes of the world. And I was just like, you think that's the worst thing that can happen is just poor public opinion? See, it's it's scenes like that that tell me that this entire serial would have been so much more entertaining if it was shot like the mockumentary style of The Office with Clint as the boss. That would have been really enjoyable. That would have been spectacular. Clint comes in there and he says, we have to listen to the computer. And it's so clear that he has no idea of what else to do other than ask the computer about every decision. And then the doctor mugs at the camera. It would have been great. Think about yeah. Clint. As much as he annoys me as a character, he's very well realized. And you can tell the actor at least put a lot of thought into how he was going to be portrayed. The thing that's interesting about Clint is he knows he's not a very good leader. He tries to hide it, but you can see his insecurities all over the place. Yeah, yeah. he's a regular Michael Scott. Yeah, <laughs> no the the actor who plays Clint he he did a fa fantastic job. He's amazing. It's just poor character. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think another comment was. Hope happens to be inconvenient. Yeah, yeah. He's Ooh, buddy, you need to just calm down and have a little bit of humanity. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I think Penley puts it best when he says to him, you're not a man, you're a machine slave. Is that a Nine Inch Nails album? <laughs> a machine slave? <laughs> a machine slave. You know, immediately after that, he has both Penley and Jamie tranquilized. So he's kind of got a point. On the other side, we have the Doctor and Victoria in the Ice Warrior ship. Yeah. And I love that the Doctor is going to use a stink bomb to fight them. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds on brand. And then he can't get the test tube open. That was really funny. And yes, it was. While we've complained about Victoria screaming all the time, that was a really good thing of just the, the, the crying and the tears and the... Oh, wait, yeah. wait, whisper, yeah. whisper, whisper. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, everything is terrible, but whisper, whisper, whisper. <laughs> And this is why it's such a shame that Victoria is like siloed on her own for the majority of this story, because when she's with the Doctor, she's entertaining. Yeah. 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 She can work really well as a character, but in this serial, she is just not written very well at all. All right. That brings us into our cliffhanger with the struggle as to whether or not the Ice Warrior is going to fire the sonic cannon. So six. You know, I, I found, even though we have this one, I found this a little confusing at first as to whether or not they actually fired the damn thing. And yeah. they do, but they destroyed the records wing, which we've never seen or heard of before. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and apparently no one was in it because they don't mention any casualties. No, it's just, yeah, that was the wing where they stored their old records, you know, yeah. so they lost their Jimi Hendrix, they lost their Rolling Stones. That is a tragedy. Oh. And you should I hope none of those such. were first editions. Yeah. Oh, all oh, of them. All of them. They are. Yeah. And then we get Damn this it. random rant from this man who's just been standing in the background this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I get you. You're doing what everyone has wanted to do this whole time because you're right. This is what working under Clint will like, drive a person to do. I have had enough. <laughs> funny that it just came out of nowhere that he was all of a sudden like 
I'm so mad and everyone has to know why. Yeah. I'm not even sure if we had seen that guy before. I don't know. Wait, was he the guy that Clint was like complimenting him on volunteering? He's like, I didn't volunteer. Yes. Yes. Which was delightfully awkward. That was awesome. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think it was in that same episode, though. <laughs> At the, like, the very beginning or maybe even the episode before. It wasn't very long before. But yes, it's like, oh, you didn't volunteer. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> Sucks to suck. No. Well, <laughs> nice job anyway. <laughs> and then he's lying there and, you know, the ice warriors come in and then he starts moving and then he whispers, that was not planned. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the ice warriors getting in there, uh, when Clint starts arguing with Varga and and Varga's like, I I need Mercury isotopes, and Clint's like, I don't have any. And Varga's, I don't believe you. No, really, I don't. I don't believe you. It's just ridiculous. Yes, like... you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> and what kills me about this is this went through three script editors because of all the you know jiggery pokery behind the scenes with Peter Bryant having his test run as producer for a while. So he looked at it, and Victor Pemberton looked at it, and. Derek Sherwin, who's being groomed to be the next script editor, also looked at it. And yet somehow this still got through. But then you have this moment of truth when Clint is told that he is useless and that Garrett has more skills than he does. I think my favorite moment in that is when Varga bluntly says to him, what are your qualifications for existence? (laughs) (laughs) That was an amazing burn and one I might start using in real life. Yeah, you say you got to save that for when you're giving job interviews. <laughs> yeah. But through all this, the tension is super low. It, yeah. it is. I, I can't actually see the potential threat because, again, we mentioned that the records were in a separate room. So, okay, that doesn't seem threatening at all. And even with the doctor and, and V, like, off in the distance like they're how far away are they how long of a range does this weapon have does it like cut through hills and glacier i'm confused it's enough to threaten the base but not enough to be any use to the ice warriors of getting themselves free apparently yeah i do like how the doctor is busy rewiring the sonic cannon we we kind of see him in there wires all around him that's not something i can imagine william hartnell doing that seems a very patrick troughton thing and i love it there's there's a lot of that where you just yeah. can't yeah. you can't imagine hartnell doing anything close in a scene oh he would be directing someone else to, oh, chatterton 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 no 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 that wire there yes connect that one to that one and we also get penley turning on the heat yeah, yeah. i'm yes. unsure that was apparently enough because it didn't it impact the other people there. No, that was I thought they did something with the sonic gun and that the doctor fired it once and was hoping mm-hmm. that he didn't have to fire it again. Yeah, there were two things. They had the doctor firing the sonic gun, but I think just before that you had Penley who just turned off the air conditioner or turned on the furnace or whatever and they were like oh you have betrayed us like we were never on your side we can't betray you a hole <laughs> they're, they're in sequence yeah Pen- penley turns on the heat and then the doctor fires the sonic cannon yeah and so the ice warriors start reacting first to the heat and then after the doctor fires the sonic weapon that's when everyone else gets knocked out yeah got it yeah it wasn't super clear because when you can't see either of those things you can't see heat on screen and you can't see a sonic gun on screen. 
Didn't they do some like wavy, wavy camera work or something? There's a little shaky cam, maybe. Uh, yeah. at, no, at the very, very end, when back at their ship and that gets heated, they do like a spinny camera. Oh in the yeah, glacier. that was that was not so good. <laughs> <laughs> that was some very ropey camera work. You gotta admit, it was nice of the Ice Warriors to go back to their ship so they could be blown up with it, though. Yeah, <laughs> that helped wrap things up. Very Super nicely. convenient. Mm-hmm. That's brutal. Why didn't they just go home like the chameleons in the faceless ones? Bye then. <laughs> Guess we'll go home now. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Jamie is no longer paralyzed. Yeah. Magic. <laughs> it's one of those things where the timing's just very convenient. Like the doctor firing the sonic cannon immediately after Penley turns up the heat. I think Jamie's legs were just cold. And so when Penley <laughs> turned up, he's like, oh, okay, it's fine. I mean, he was complaining about the cold. I mean, it's his own fault for wearing a kilt in the snow. <laughs> he didn't learn from Lost Story. No, nope. no, he did not. Oh, Jamie. Uh, also, as I mentioned before, when they leave on the TARDIS again, all of a sudden the TARDIS is standing upright. When did yes. they have time to fix that? The Glacia did it. After, yeah, after they fixed everything else, maybe an ice warrior tripped over it on the way in. <laughs> yeah. Shoved it. I don't know. Used its butt to yes <laughs> to shift it up, right? Yeah. When you got hips like that, you may as well use them. I did love how the TARDIS crew once again just kind of slipped away unnoticed. You know that same old little trick from the moon base doing yep. the Batman. Yep. It was it was a bit brutal how the Ice Warriors were just kind of slaughtered completely. It didn't quite sit right. Again, they didn't really actually interact with the plot all that much, so yeah, it doesn't really make sense that they were killed. Just let them leave. But they let didn't want to leave. They wanted to take over the Earth. Yeah. With four of them? Uh-huh. Cool. Well, let's be honest. It was three and a half of them. <laughs> right, Don? <laughs> well, the short one died. <laughs> he did. So it was three and a half, but then it was only three. <laughs> let's, let's rate this story. <laughs> you know, I... I'm up first this time round, and this was one of those ones where I walked in with an idea of what I would give this, and the more I spoke to you guys, the lower this one kept slipping. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't that high to begin with, so this originally was going to get a six, but it's one of those things where it's slow to begin with, it's painful, two episodes are missing, it's padded... And then we start dissecting the plot, and between the four of us, we point out how many things don't make sense. And the more I think about this, and the more I discuss this story, it doesn't feel like I can give it anything as high as a six. It has its moments, you know, we've laughed a lot as we've talked about the last episode, and some of the dialogue wasn't bad, the costumes were good, but yeah, this this one is not exactly a favourite. So I am going to give this one... Four and a half giant sonic cannons out of ten. Don, you're up next. I think there's some interesting ideas in this story. Like, I would have liked a little bit of backstory on why Stor just completely hated even the idea of science so much. You had the different types of outfits. You had the very primitive scavenger outfits. And then you had the scientists in their 60s go-go wear. You had the really, really nice computer room design. And then a kind of a just a weird mansion there were so many different things that were pretty cool and interesting ideas but then you had this really dumb and heavy-handed narrative well should we just blindly trust the computer or have a little bit of independent thought when either way we could die which way let us just maybe live score was cool 
occasionally annoying, but they did some really creepy stuff. There's some good design work. I found the voices of the Ice Warriors and the base computer really difficult to understand. And the Ice Warrior voices would occasionally just put me to sleep. There's some good stuff here. It just doesn't always come across at six episodes. It's just too padded. So I'm giving it four and a half indistinct computer voices out of ten. Wow, another four and a half. Okay, Julie, you're up next. Just to hit on a few things, I'm going to try not to repeat a lot of them. Costumes are on point. I really like that. When the Doctor and Companions were on screen at the same time, they had some really good moments. But the big thing is when they were on screen at the same time. Episode one was really good. Really, really strong beginning. And then it slowed to a glacial pace, as we've said. We have that difficulty with too much exposition, too much science, too much of that stereotypical computer versus human, and let's talk about this forever. You know, just a lot of things that just didn't work out. So I am going to get it 4 out of 10 plastic-wrapped kilts out of 10. (laughs) All right, Riley, you're the last vote. Lately, I've been finding uh, most of my enjoyment in the serials to be coming from the plot or the character moments between the TARDIS crew. The Ice Warriors plot here is full of holes and it's plotting. The character moments are too few and far between. So what does that leave us? We got the introduction of a well-known enemy and who, good sets, enjoyable music, but there isn't much beyond that to me. The TARDIS crew is removed from having any active role in the plot till the fifth episode. As we said before, Victoria gets thrown into the damsel role and Jamie is completely sidelined. But the writing does provide a message underneath the slow-moving plot, and that is don't trust computers, and that Brian Hales once had a boss that he absolutely despised. So I give this one five Michael Palin stock characters out of ten. So this one gets a overall score of four and a half out of ten from us, which makes it even lower than last time around with the Abominable Snowman and the new crowned worst Patrick Troughton story to date. With that, we are at the end of our discussion. So we will be back next time when we'll be seeing Double as Patrick Troughton becomes the enemy of the world. But for now, thank you very much for listening and have a good one. This episode, Closed Due to Glacier, was recorded on Wednesday the 7th of October 2020. In the meantime, all of our previous episodes are available on your favorite podcasting app. You can interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Watchers4D. And you can also email us at Watchers4D at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do subscribe and leave us a review or rating on your favorite podcasting app. All three of those things really do help the show. And always remember, if you ever happen to find a strange creature frozen in ice, it's probably best just to leave it alone.